And in it, she said her sporting idol was Katie Taylor. And I was like, this is where before Katie kind of yeah. went huge. Like, yeah. and I was like, that's unusual. Like, I wonder if there's any Irish in her. And never thought any more of it. And then obviously yeah. she ended up playing for Ireland eventually. Like, so. Did you not ask her on the pitch? I didn't think. And she's red hair as well. There has to be some Irish in her. I think the clue might have been in the name. You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe and William Hill. Hello, I'm Eric Lawler. Welcome to House of Football podcast episode 15 with Sports Joe and William Hill. Delighted to say I have long-standing member of the uh, the House of Football podcast, Mr. Alan Cawley Institute, yet again. 15. 15 or 16. Eric, I can't going. even know. Is it 15 or 16? Does any, can anyone tell me? And again, it's 15 or 16. Well, I've, they've is, all uh, blended into one. This is nine for me, so... It's nine for you. We're, we're going well. You're doing well, Albie. You must, look, you must ha- be doing well. You keep I'm hanging asking, in there. I'm hanging in. You keep asking me back. <laughs> and we're also absolutely thrilled to have with us, um, and we just spoke before we went on air, one of the most... Iconic uh, Irish women footballers of all time. When I think of Irish women's football, I immediately think of the lady who's in studio with us today, Stephanie Rowe. Stephanie Zambra, you're very welcome. Very (laughs) welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you, Uh, especially with this uh, on the eve of the World Cup um, and such a momentous time for for women's football uh, around the world, but especially in Ireland. It is the women's version of Italia 90 to all intents and purposes, isn't it really? like It's it's going to be absolutely incredible. So I'm sure for Stephanie, who was soldiered for so long, and as you say, almost the face of women's football for so long, to have this moment with the girls, unfortunately, all the soldiering that, you, that you've done <laughs> up to now, I'm sure you would have loved to be part of it, but the fact that they're there, it's phenomenal, really. Yeah, like it's a huge moment for women's football, it really is. And as you say, like you kind of hope for that Italian 90. You yeah. want to see the whole country get behind the team. The fact it's in Australia is probably a little bit difficult for people to go and follow the team, but obviously the games are going to be across RT as well, which is great for Irish fans to be able to watch it. And I'm like, I'm honestly buzzing to go. I'm heading over to be there. So, oh, wow, amazing. Um, I'm going to be there uh, working on the games. Well, obviously just delighted for so many of the girls I know in the squad as well, who, have you mentioned, have soldiered on for years and are getting the moment and the opportunity to do it. So it's just huge for, for Irish women's football to, to it's, finally it's, get there. I'm so excited. I'm mm. so excited. And the, the, the kickoff times are perfect. 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock and ah, o'clock. And, and I've been fortunate <laughs> enough with Stephanie working on the games Eric over the last kind of three four years and seeing the any other jobs going out there we look after you we look after you (laughs) there's a big one going at the moment (laughs) sorry we hate to interrupt your uh, prayer Viewing of the Oireachtas TV special that's going on right now. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, as I say, we, I've kind of seen the development of the team and since Vera has come in and, and then the near miss of the European Championships and all and the Ukrainian game. And, uh, but I've seen, as I say, the, the development and the mall was getting close and getting close and you're wanting them to obviously achieve that amazing moment. And I was in Hamden Park with Stephanie as well that night that they qualified and that was an incredible moment and the celebrations after as well even and we were obviously there and back to the hotel and we had a bit of crack as well and but just to see the girls in the elation and um, as you say Eric I really think it will be the Italian 90 moment for, for the women and women's football in the, in the country uh, One of my other jobs uh, Stephanie you'd be very impressed with this one of my other side jobs is host of Bingo Loco shows okay <laughs> and I, I was hosting a Bingo Loco to be fair it's <laughs> <laughs> a great night I was never host- mean he hasn't invited <laughs> me I'll be you next time I, I was hosting a Bingo Loco show there on Saturday in Dublin and uh, uh, the number 90 got pulled out so normally we play Italian 90 put them under pressure okay. brilliant but I had them all singing we're all part of Vera's army Okay, we're all off to Aussie land <laughs> <laughs> and the whole place is bouncing like, so is that really what happens bouncing? with being a local you, you pull out the number and then there's a, a song if you to want go to it's, it, up to, it's up to the host but I'm the best there is so, well that's um, a brilliant thing did you, did you come up with that idea yeah, 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 Italian yeah, 90 yeah, and then yeah. brilliant this is, this is, this is the, the women's Italian 90 love it and and the women got right behind it, and uh, and I was nearly I was nearly giving the king's chair around the place afterwards, <laughs> like you know. But anyway, the the World Cup. Let's. I want to talk to you about the World Cup, Stephanie, because let's be honest. Me and Al, um, 
obviously we, we grew up watching men's football. It's only women's football has only come to the fore, I would suppose, over the last 15, 20 years, but especially over the last five, six, seven years. We're going into the well, I'm going into the tournament. Um, not knowing who the big players are to watch out for. Now, the one player, obviously, I, I do know of, okay, who has been brought in for our sixth World Cup is Martha from Brazil. Now, I do remember her from previous World Cups. She holds the record for most goals scored at a World Cup tournament by man or woman. She's 17 goals in, in World Cup final tournament. She's back in the Brazilian fold. Um, your opinions on Martha, Stephanie, I suppose, for yeah, a start. She, as you say, she's one of the most well-known. And even like even for us as female players, like just the women's game wasn't covered for so many years. So it is hard to kind of get a lot of information on a lot of the teams. And, and thankfully, I've played against some of the players who are going to. So I know kind of a few of them inside out. But Martha definitely would have been one of the players for me growing up who I would have looked up to yeah. in women's football because there weren't that many well-known it was Marta and it was Olivia O'Toole who played for Ireland you know they of were the course, two yeah. that I knew of yeah. really who to follow obviously Emma Byrne was a goalkeeper still someone I looked up to but Marta definitely just one of the best players to ever play the game and to be still going at her age as well like she's still one of the best players and Brazil have a very good squad and she's kept their place in it so it just says something about her kind of work ethic and professionalism to be able to keep going as long as she has but very very exciting player You just mentioned Olivia O'Toole I think Olivia's going to be on one of our shows coming up soon um, and what a an icon she has been for Irish football. Your your, your impressions of Olivia Toole and, and the, the dealings you've had with her through her career and all yeah, that. Yeah, like Olivia, when I first got into the Irish team, she would have been kind of coming towards the end of her. So I didn't really get much time, as much as I would have liked to have playing with her. But she was a player, when I first went to watch Ireland play, and Anya Gormanov often says the same story. So we obviously went to the game with the same people. We went to watch them in uh, Richmond Park against Switzerland. And I remember she wasn't playing and Noel told her to go warm up a few times. And she was nearly having killings with Noel, kind of saying, are you going to put me bleeding on or what? Like, I'm we were just looking kind of going oh she's giving out to the manager she's fighting. she went on then and scored you know ah. and like when I got into the Irish squad and if she would have been part of it in Iceland and stuff and like words that she said to me she probably doesn't even remember this but like I always remember her sitting me down and saying like oh you're a really good player you have everything you're a good striker I think there's a big future and like for someone like her to say that to me it really just gave me that boost of Jesus she thinks I'm good I can yeah. definitely do this you know so she's definitely someone who obviously I looked up to as a role model before I got to know her and then when I seen her she was always very good at me and gave me kind of the advice that I needed to kind of keep pushing on so I definitely have a lot of respect for Olivia and I'm happy to see her getting a little bit of work around the World Cup as well because yeah. people like her you see the women's game growing and I think people like her have kind of missed out on that kind of part of things but to be able to be there with kind of obviously you likes yourselves coming on and talking about the World Cup and, and being involved in a few things around it has been great to see I've, I've listened to her a couple on, on various other shows um, and she sounds like a real character yeah. like she's <laughs> she really, is, I'm really yeah. looking forward to having her in kind of thing she's fighting with the manager on the sideline she's obviously yeah, a character yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no messing with her like, she just didn't take any yeah. she was in hand on that night as well wasn't she yeah she was yeah, was, that was a lovely moment and a lot of the girls Stephanie yeah. and obviously the girls that were involved on in a few of them went straight to her as mm. well so um, I'd say that kind of means a lot to her the fact that you're still she's very much in your thoughts and um, all that she done because that, that's the thing as well Eric when you think of Stephanie and obviously Olivia is a bit older than Stephanie but when you think of the girls who have gone before and they're seeing this explosion of the women's game there's probably a little bit in you think, feeling oh, I would have loved that or I missed yeah. out on a bit of that yeah. but the girls haven't forgotten what they have done either you know mm -hmm. because it has to start somewhere and the fact that they started it all really if you like um, and to see the fruits of that work being kind of uh, developed more so now by the girls and then the qualification all yet they still kind of are playing a little bit part somewhere and, and the girls in the current squad are thinking of them yeah just on the uh, on the group that Ireland are in, Stephanie, um, we're in a group with uh, Australia, the hosts, um, Canada, the Olympic champions, and probably the best women's team in Africa, Nigeria. Um, Easy. <laughs> <laughs> and some people are calling it the group of death. Um, but I suppose on one side, uh, nobody's expecting us to do anything. 
But on the other side, you know what what that squad is capable of. Do you feel they have a real chance of, 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 of causing an upset and getting through? Yeah, I do. And I think, in fairness, like I know Vera has mentioned the games she's played of, are of high quality, like playing against the likes of France, playing against the USA twice in America. Like, I think particularly the game against France, like, I think that was a real kind of a good game to come at the yeah. right time. Like, I think we learned lessons in that game that we can't let happen against Australia. Like, I think against USA and France, we started really well. We put it up to them. And I remember being kind of like, Jesus, this is really good. Like, mm-hmm. we're doing really well, but... We possibly didn't get that bit of luck at the right times in terms of the offside goals. Then kind of little bits of quality lacked at times. And that happens, you know, if you're, if you're on top of a game, you kind of need to take your moments. And we didn't. And then the second half, obviously, France came out at the end of the first half, got two late goals. You know, the, the things that happened in that game, I think, are really important that they did um, mm-hmm. in a weird way because they can learn from it and go into the game against. Because Australia, if you dominate possession against Australia and don't get something they have Sam Kerr up top like if you give her a sniff she's going to score you know and I think the girls will know that as well so they'll be on edge and ready for it but I think what's happened in preparation has been good in terms of getting ready for those high level games because obviously Australia and Canada are are something else and Nigeria probably the ones we don't really know a lot about but they're definitely not going to be any pushover either Mm. you know so and they have uh, like I was going to ask you um, like over the group you just mentioned Sam Kerr would she be the the main danger from the Australian team. Yeah, like I think when you look across the board, they've got some very good, like well-known players as well. Like Mary Fowler's now with, with Man City. She's a player who's coming up with them and, and done really well for Australia in recent games. Obviously, they've kind of had a decent run of games. They beat England. They England obviously were on a, a long unbeaten run, like and they beat them. But they're a team as well who I think can sit in and defend and don't mind kind of being under pressure because they have quality players who can go forward and score. So, like I just think across the board they have so many quality players. And Sam Kerr for me is probably going to be up there chasing. Play, probably player of the tournament and got top goal scorer there's probably a lot of pressure on Australia in terms of they're the host nation and when things haven't gone well for them before the public haven't been kind of shy and embashing right. them either okay, you know right. so I think like if Ireland can frustrate them the way they have with, with France and the USA and obviously get that little bit of luck and get something I think it could be a, a good game for them but they have to obviously kind of keep them at bay and make sure that they I think play the game and not the occasion as well like there's 80,000 mm. people in the stadium no, a lot of girls haven't played in that yeah. before you know so it's it's really seeing how that's very really hard that. to do though isn't it yeah, yeah, to it play is. the game and not the occasion yeah yeah because it say, is such a huge yeah, and that's going to be a moment. massive factor like yeah. the girls will be nervous like mm. and and you wouldn't be human if you weren't nervous in that situation like in any situation even the, the best men football players in the world get nervous and that's that's a good thing I think but for that kind of occasion that's something that they can't let kind of um, overtake them really if you like because all the pressure is on Australia and that's the way I'd be approaching it really in the sense that they're the home nation now there'll be a huge Irish crowd yeah. uh, as tends to be and we'll get tickets no matter what the allocation especially in Australia <laughs> yeah well we'll get tickets yeah. like I think the allocation was supposed to be only 4 or 5% was it or yeah. well they, they had it in a different stadium they had to move it because so, there were so many people wanting right. tickets so they're like going so. to get massive like there will be a lot of Irish people at the game you like so that giant stadium remember they thought all the Italians were yeah, going to the like, and it'd be exactly <laughs> like that but I think that can I think we can use that to our strength as well in the sense that they're the home nation and let them be under the pressure because it's definitely said the Australians have no problem in getting on the back of mm-hmm. men or women or whatever the case if they're not happy with how things are going um, so I think they should use that to their advantage but even looking at the game against France last week because as Stephanie said we started really well and, and the first half was really good bar the, obviously the, the last time couple goals, of minutes yeah, yeah. but I just think if you look at the second goal in particular and this is what you get against the elite teams Samir who's a brilliant centre forward mm-hmm. obviously but Nifai she starts the attack out in the left kind of side um, of the pitch and plays a ball inside, but Neve kind of has a look at her and sees her. 
two seconds later she's this side of the mm-hmm. and she's in the inside and it's bang and it's a shot and you're talking about the likes of Sam Kerr that's what you're up against Eric in the sense that the elite level teams you don't get a moment if you switch off for a moment that's when you get punished and even though things were going great for 40 minutes you think oh I'm happy with the situation here we're keeping them at bay bang and I think that's what you'll find against these teams over in the World Cup as well so that's something that and it's hard to prepare for that but you just have to be fully fully uh, on your toes for the whole 90 minutes that one, one second split that you switch off bang it's in the net the if there was three players, uh, a lot of people listen to this podcast, uh, Stephanie, wouldn't be experts on women's football. And we're hoping this episode will be the start of an education before the big the big tournament. If there's three Irish players, who should who should, who are the three Irish players people should watch out for this tournament? Three Irish players. Like, obviously, just the, the Katie. Now, I know you have a load of friends and that's I know, I think, obviously, Katie and Denise, everyone knows about them. They're, they, for me, are, are match winners. They have the moment, the, the ability to do something without anything you know yeah. you have that little magic bit of quality and stuff um, for me I think Carusa has had to wait and bide her time we seem to be a team that are going to play into her feet now rather than having Heather Payne running off the top of the shoulders and getting players up the pitch so I think Carusa has a big part to play I liked how she played against um, France as well like she didn't really show any respect to Cascarino or Renard who were top top players yeah. she got stuck into them so I think she's going to have a big role to play um, for me I think Shania Farrelly there's a little bit of added pressure on her and I think the reason I'm saying that is because she played one game and got picked to go to a World Cup so there had to have been something that Vera has seen and we've seen it against the USA probably didn't see it as much against France mm-hmm. so I really expect a lot more from her because she played one game and come in you've seen the likes of Leanne Kiernan and stuff miss out who people are disappointed to see miss out so for her coming in like she for me has like big boots to fill. She's got the opportunity of a lifetime to play in a World Cup for Ireland who players, as we mentioned, have missed out on. So I want to see more from her. I want to mm-hmm. see what I've seen against the USA and hopefully she can have a moment where she really Is she suppose, proves. I think so. I think when I watched her against the USA and a lot of the girls said in training she was quality. She's a very good kind of technical, technical. player. But my worry was that she, I think she went off a cramp after 60 minutes. Like yeah. probably hasn't played a lot of good football over the last few years. So you kind of wanted to get that quality and make sure she makes her moment and makes something happen before it gets too late in the game where she's going to get taken off because obviously we said Ireland have started the games really well in recent games but haven't really got that bit of quality to make something happen. I think she has the ability to do that from looking at her in mm. one game. So that's hard, that, you know. Because that's what surprised me a little bit, Stephanie. In the games that we've covered, Eric, uh, all the games, but Heather, you mentioned Heather and Heather was always the one playing as kind of the, the main centre forward, if you like, and off the shoulder and tireless. Like you, Runs all day. I used to get yeah, tired yeah. looking at yeah, her. Yeah, non-stop, yeah. brilliant worker. The concern I have from watching the game so far, because Vera has more or less come out and said that team that started against France will likely be the team that mm-hmm. will start against Australia. And obviously they've changed the midfield. Megan Conley, who would have always played beside Ruisha and Denise probably the further one forward. She looks like she's going to play centre half yeah. as as one of the three at the back. So and Ruisha, I'm glad to see in there, but obviously Sinead has come in and now Marisa she- is it Sheva? Sheva yeah, yeah. Sheva. Sheva. Uh, so she's come in as well, and Denise looks like she's playing in a, in a deeper yeah. position, which I don't mind to an extent if we can get her on the ball and start the attacks but sometimes I prefer when Denise is further forward that she's going to play the passes to the likes of Caruso that we want to see because she has that quality Denise so the couple of concerns I have is about that little midfield area and will we will we see enough of Denise in forward areas and forward positions to, to be the, the kind of one that opens the door for us whereas Heather Payne now is playing right wing back and I don't think that suits her at all Stephanie no. I would have serious concerns 
not only about her playing in that position that it takes away from her game in terms of an attacking sense, but defensively, she's she has no defensive kind of bones in her body, really. Right. Look, like, she'll run all day and she'll get back and track back, but she doesn't look like she's the best in terms of her awareness defensively. And if you look at the France game, in particular in that second half, all the attacks came down the left-hand side. They really exposed that right-hand side. And between Neve, who's obviously missed out on a lot of football as well, Neve and Heather Payne, they looked to me as though it was the first time they had ever met yeah. playing together on that right-hand side and that would be a concern for me going into the World Cup Yeah I agree with you there and I think for me one of the things that was very noticeable is Jamie Finn being left out of the squad because mm. Jamie Finn can play that position Harriet um, Scott was look, left out Yeah well, Harriet too. as well but I think in terms of Jamie like Jamie can play right wing back she can play in the midfield like Megan Connolly obviously coming kind of to the end of her time at Brighton hasn't played a lot of football kind of in pre-season now Megan for me is a fantastic player and number one I like, put her on the team she in a heartbeat but how long is she going to be able to play same with Ruta Little John coming back has it well, where really would you issue. play Megan Stephanie would you ha- happy to I see think, her as part of the, one of the back three or would you still have her in midfield I'm happier with her, her I'd rather her and Denise ahead of the um, defence or Denise or Rusha I don't mind which one I think Rusha has a very Rusha's very good tactically she sees the game really well, well. you do not think Rusha and um, Megan as the two and Denise further forward um, I think Denise gives that a little bit more energy in there I think she is good at breaking up the play especially if you're playing against a top side so I think I would like to have her in front obviously if we're playing and expected to get something maybe against Nigeria maybe have her a little mm. bit higher up the pitch but I think Denise and Rusha can do similar jobs but in terms of defensively I just think Denise hunts the ball back so well Like, and yeah. I think that her and Megan together are really good I think mm-hmm. they're used to each other playing in there and like obviously Shiva has come in and played in that kind of the left side of the box Rusha can also play there and same with Mishnaya Farley I think Rusha can play in that as well but it looks like as you say in that game against France Megan slotting in I think we missed the likes of uh, Diane Caldwell just putting a tackle in you know like Diane yeah. has a bit about her like, that's you know, where if, if Diane plays as one of the centre halves which she normally does you'd have Megan back in the centre. So yeah. it looks like she's trying to fit in Farrelly and... Yeah, that's what it bit. seems to be. There's been a bit of shuffling around yeah. just to get them in, which... So Stephanie, you've named two two players. Yeah, Give sorry. Uh, who, who did I mention? <laughs> no, I'll just interrupt you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forget who so even said. So, yeah, so job, it was said Farrelly, didn't I? And again, that's just because, as I said, the circumstances around her being brought in, I think like she has a bit to prove. Um, I think Shiva's done really well as well. Again, she's in a similar kind of thing. Yeah, I like her energy. Yeah, but like there has to be that quality as well. As I said, we mentioned the players like Leanne Kieran and Leanne Kieran has that quality and she's been left out so you need to kind of have somebody who's going to fill those boots as well um, who else would I say obviously there's Megan or yeah Megan Connolly Denise Sullivan Louise Quinn Katie McCabe they're the ones for me who are always going to start they're Stalwarts. a big part of our team yeah, yeah, yeah. they have to play um, I think Courtney Brosnan has come along very very yeah. well obviously I think there's going to be games where we're going to be in a lot of trouble in terms of defensively we might need her to be on our toes and be ready to go she's had her moments yeah. as well you know where things haven't gone well for her and I'm delighted to see she's become the number one you can see there's no real change in her even the, the friendlies before the World Cup she was the one that played so Vera yeah, obviously trusts her well. yeah and it does yeah, exactly it's yeah. a keeper like if you're being she's taken out and, years, well, yeah, yeah. yeah she's, she's a player for me who, who needed that confidence boost and I think she's going to have a lot of work to do defensively in terms of probably going to have a bit of pressure coming on top of us and I think she's a player who will definitely help Ireland throughout the group You mentioned uh, Sinead Farley there um, Stephanie and also the other uh, American players for want of a better expression they're Irish of course they're playing for Ireland so they're Irish but you know they they haven't played for Ireland and they're in the World Cup squad for somebody who's played for Ireland so long and you're obviously in touch with some of the players in the squad was there a little bit of I don't know what's the word frustration and kind of anger Bitterness. Bitterness, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. You know, that these girls have just come in. Now, come here, it's a tactic that Jack Charlton used to his advantage as well, yeah. going to tournaments where suddenly players who didn't take part in the qualifying tournament were drafted in because their granny was well, in no problem if they're good enough. That's, yeah. that's exactly my point was going to be. If they're coming in and they have something to offer that we don't already have, 
it's a no-brainer. No they, have, they have to play and they have yeah. to come. And from speaking to a few of the girls when they were in the camp in the USA, I think Sinead Farley really impressed. Um, again, like for me, I was a little bit worried because she's playing against the USA, who she's used to playing against. Yeah. She's playing against players who play in her league, the same style of football. And like she showed real moments of quality. So I kind of was like, yeah, she has something. But she's also very comfortable playing against the USA. So now you need to see it against the other games. And against France, I didn't think she had the best game. Now, so against Australia, as I said, I just think because of the circumstances of her coming in, there's got to be a, a bit yeah. more from her, you know, like the likes of Vigonia Gorman started against Scotland in that same position and yeah. done really well in that game. Defensively, got forward quite well. Also, you have the likes of, as I mentioned already, Leanne being left out, players like Jamie Finn, who have been the whole way through. We said they're shuffling the team around to get those two girls in, so Jamie can be affected in that as well, you know. So I think she has to really show why she's been there. And I think she has, as I said, I've, I've talked to a few of the girls and seen her against the USA. She has that bit of quality, but she has to be really able to really bring it now at the World Cup and show why Vera has put the trust in her after one game. And maybe Vera just needs to tell her that they're not playing Australia, they're playing USA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'll go out and just tear it up. <laughs> she's under pressure, to be fair. Yeah, there like, must be an awful hard on pressure her as well. Yeah. And, and the one thing that struck me about the girls over the last few years as well, everybody sees how likeable they are and in terms of the kind of relationship they've built up with the public and everything yeah. everyone's got behind them but also the girls themselves like they're real, there was a real strong bond and a unit it seemed with them and if you're a new player coming into that late in the day that can be difficult for her you yeah. know will you be accepted like is this awkward how do I feel as you said there are other girls looking at me thinking yeah. how come you're after getting in here so that can be difficult for, for the girl herself as well Sinead so hopefully she adjusts to that I'm sure they've welcomed her in. Yeah, um, no, it's a good group of players. Like, yeah. there'd never be that. I don't think. Like, unless, geez, they came in, they couldn't kick snow off a rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what's, what's going on? Yeah. Like, but, as I so, said, I think but it she is does like there's pressure on her. So hopefully, as Stephanie says, she does deliver. Like, you know, but it's 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 pressure. Yeah, it really is. Um, I suppose you know, uh, Vera, Vera Vera selected this squad, and uh, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's a couple of girls going to train. Three players going out with them training, mm. but I think there was some there was some quarters a question in the fact that there's not one striker in that training trio uh, there's another fourth goalkeeper for some reason do goalkeepers get injured much in women's football what's going on there is there something we, we need <laughs> yeah, to know Stephanie? I think that's a, it's, it's Jan Willem who's the goalkeeping coach he likes to have four keepers and I, I don't really know you have to ask him like I think he just likes to have cover and even for his sessions for the goalkeepers like obviously we said Courtney Brosnan's probably going to have a lot of stuff going on in the game so he probably wants to have her as prepared as possible but we've always tried to travel with four I've noticed that before it is something that he likes to do and um, he likes to have as many keepers as he can on it I think if you look at the squad like really it's only I know Abby Larkin can play up front Arnie can play up front but they've never really been re- used up front it's only really yeah. Amber Barrett and Caruso who are really mm. centre forwards mm-hmm. so I can understand people's questions but I think it shows you how we're going to play you know I think Vera's going to go out there with a game plan and look I don't blame her because it's worked for her in qualifiers I don't expect us to go out now and start battering down goals and you know centre forwards getting a strike a hat trick or you know I think we're the type of team that's going to be hard to be but try and have moments where we can do something up top as well and I think that's exactly how we're going to play and I think you only have to look at our squad in terms of even the backup players she, she's probably hopeful that Caruso will get through the group games and play she'll be her kind of number one in that position I think and as I mentioned I think probably looked at Saoirse Noonan in the friendlies and probably didn't see enough to bring her Amber Barrett obviously came on against Zambia and was the usual Amber Barrett like I love Amber I think she's got a great attitude like she's a player who hasn't had many opportunities when she does get her opportunity she shows that she can she do she's a perfect she? example of like a true professional I have yeah. to say so I'm really happy to see her because I think there was loads of question marks about her not going which I, I found crazy like yeah yeah, I yeah. Believe that. So because she's always delivered Amber to be fair she got the most important goal like the more yeah, than yeah, Stephanie's yeah, yeah. goal no, being remembered like, for years to yeah. come 
Um, Amber's goal will be kind of it's almost like one of those Ray Houghton Ronnie yeah. Whelan type goals I'd be reeling in the ears yeah, 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 moments, no, yeah. Um, and obviously all the emotion that went with it because of what happened up in, uh, in Creaselock absolutely and all that, so yeah. it was a beautiful moment actually wasn't you, it sorry Eric but just on that one with Amber were you surprised then that Amber didn't start against France and she went with Carusa and do you think she's only going to use Amber as an impact sub I think like. Amber will be more of an impact sub yeah. yeah and I think with as we said before like she played with Heather on the shoulder and kind of getting up the pitch and trying to get the ball like, up to her into space and get everybody up whereas now we're playing to a, a centre forward who wants to play the feet get the ball and then feed off her and I think Cruz is very good at that um, and Amber's probably she can do it but I think Amber's more of a kind of impact so people can come on and do something when they're mm. tired like yeah I'm not sure if she's she's what Fira wants from the start is what I'm trying to say and I think she is going to be that player that hopefully we'll see coming on and making something happen in the last few moments of games where we need it but from what I can see the, the big one for me as well stuff. Stephanie is like I mentioned the concern I have on the right hand side with Heather because I loved Heather playing up front and all yeah, and just yeah. what she gave and I understand that Vera now has Cruz in, in, in the sense that and even just getting the midfielders into the game as well that she's introduced but the elephant in the room as well is Katie so she's our best player maybe Denise probably yeah, yeah. the two of them are the two star players but if you're playing her left wing back and we're going to be playing games where we're going to be penned in and she'll always be like a left back yeah yeah. That would worry me. I would want my best player to be playing centrally or playing somewhere where you're going to get her as much of the ball or if she's higher up in terms of that left-hand side of the pitch that we've seen in the yeah. qualification. And now I know we had Megan and all and Megan could slot in there at left full and, and obviously Katie could play further forward. But even listening to Katie, I don't think she's mad on the the whole left wing back thing. No, nah, I think. Or am I reading too? No, much I think it? I agree. Like, and I've actually myself and Karen, who will be talking a little bit about the World Cup. Like, we've always said that Katie's better higher up the pitch. Like, especially like obviously for Arsenal, she's got tons of quality. I'm yeah. not saying the Orient team doesn't have quality, but Katie is the player who has that quality. You know, and I think particularly as you say, if we're going to be penned in. Like, she is the player that maybe if you get the ball up to her, she might make something happen. So yeah. I think she is better in the left side of the box. We play the two attacking players yeah. in the box. I think she is better there. Again, I think the fact that Megan Campbell isn't in has probably played a part in that as well. I know Izzy Atkinson has come in and done okay, but I don't think it's, it's no, probably a bit too soon for her, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, yeah, it's a bit too soon for her. So I think Vera trusts Katie in that position in terms of defensively and, and obviously she has the pace and the power to get forward as well. So she will get forward when she can. I think she will be an attacking option out that left-hand side, but definitely I feel like she is a player like similar to Denise mm. that you need to have in, in areas where they can hurt the opposition and if we're pinned back against the likes of particularly Australia and Canada, like, most of the time back yeah, that, defending and just lumping forward, I love, probably, yeah. I love Katie McCabe. I love what she brings <laughs> to the Irish team. And I love, I watched, I, I watched the WSL and, and Sky and all that, and watch her playing for Arsenal. And I'm a Man United fan. Look at yourself, Stephanie. Yeah. And, uh, I'm I, and, and yourself also, yeah. Are you a United fan? I always see you slating them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely a United fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I, I was just. just Talking about Man United women, actually, I was disappointed even Man United didn't make the squad yeah. because I thought she would have, I thought she would have made a real impact, and, and she was just, she just ran out of time basically with the injury because even when she came into the United team after a long layoff towards the end of this season, she made an instant impact. She was excellent, like yeah. you know, and then she picked up another knock, and then she made, she made the appearance against America out, and she, she was really good. Yeah, and I think even Vera was waxing lyrical about her saying. We've got a really top defender on our hands here, and it's it's disappointing that she. Yeah, and not too dissimilar to Megan because like Megan's obviously had quite a few injuries as well, and and she was kind of thing kind of fighting against the clock to see if she'd be fully fit for the World Cup. And I think Vera did try to give you Pemanian as much time as possible. Yeah. Um, again, not too dissimilar to Sinead Farley and and Shiva. I think she was a player who came in, and you could see she was making a difference to the team. So she deserved the opportunity to get there. And it's funny because when I play for Sunderland, I always remember she played for Birmingham, and I remember it was a match day program. And in it, she said her her sport and idol was Katie uh, Taylor. And I was like, this is where before Katie kind of yeah. went huge. Like, yeah. and I 
it, that's unusual. Like, I wonder if there's any Irish in her. I never thought any more of it. And then obviously yeah. she ended up playing for Ireland eventually. Like, so did you not ask her on the pitch? I didn't think that. She's red hair as well. I think there has to be some <laughs> Irish in her. <laughs> I think the clue might have been in the name. Eva yeah, Manu. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, as a seven or seven, I was like, God, oh, there has to be something there. But yeah. she never obviously played underage or anything like that. So I just presumed she was English and wanted to play for England or whatever. Even, even re- uh, hearing her interviews and, and like she, she was brought up on a really Irish uh, uh, house or home in, uh, in Birmingham. And uh, our, all her family, all her extended family were all Irish. She spent a lot of time in Ireland. So she was well versed on Gaelic football and Hurl and Camogie and all that kind of stuff. So you were kind of going, actually, I'd love to see her representing Ireland because she's a top draw player. And it's, uh, listen, there'll be more World Cups, I'm sure, you know. Um, Hopefully, yeah. I want to get, get back to you about uh, uh, Vera Stephanie. Obviously, there was like a little bit of a cloud over the French match, with the, particularly in the press conference with, uh, with Katie, when Katie was, you could see visibly getting annoyed at the, <laughs> the, the, the line of questioning, you know, uh, overshadowing this amazing achievement. We should be talking about the football, talking about France, talking about the World Cup, and yet we're talking about Vera. Obviously, you've you, you've worked with Vera um, occasionally uh, in the Irish setup, Stephanie. Your your impressions on Vera and what makes her stand out as a top level coach? Yeah, I think Katie, in fairness to her, she handled that really well she because did. she was right in terms of look. This should be about the girls who have got us to a World Cup. We've been waiting for this a very long time, so I think for it to be overshadowed by something that was already out in December and then coming back in again and questions to be around it around our send off game, I think was wrong. You know, I think in terms of the Irish media, they have to do their job in terms of investigate what yeah. has been said and stuff like that. But for me, like obviously I've played on the Vera, probably have never really been in favour with her. So I probably have more than anybody the right to kind of say, yeah. oh, yeah, I don't like her, she's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, like, and I think she said it herself, like she's Dutch, very blunt, very straight to the point. Um, there's been times where she's had conversations with me and I'm walking out of the room kind of going, did she just say that to me? But like, <laughs> as a footballer and as a professional, I've dealt with coaches different than I'm used to it, you know? So I kind of used to be like, shaking my head kind of I remember ringing Dean and being like you never know I guess what she said to me and he'd be like oh, well it's just the way it goes so, you know it was that's, football. that's yeah. football yeah exactly and like for me I've, I've seen her do things and say things that I probably wouldn't agree with in terms of how she speaks to players but I think it's just her manner it's yeah. it's who she is as a coach um, and look obviously people have had bad experiences with her and I don't want to because I don't know the full insight of what's happened in America or who has making these claims but for me and my experience with her I would just say it, it's just the person she is she's quite blunt uh, straight to the point doesn't really try to to hide out from what she's saying and I think sometimes as a player you have to be either able to take it or not take it And Do you so- think Stephanie right and that's an issue not an issue but say in the women's game compares to the men's game right and now obviously all the talk about the women's game and, and the, the sound footing that it's on and wanting the equality and all that kind of stuff that we're all in favour of but I listened to her solicitor interviewed last week around the, the game yeah. and he was on um, it was the Claire Byrne show and he was basically making out almost the, the, the case in defence of Vera was the fact that if a man's coach was saying these things a man wouldn't bat an eyelid type thing right that was his defence and I've worked with coaches and some of the things I've heard said in dressing room Derek, and, <laughs> and said to me yeah. and, and that goes on and it's interesting Stephanie saying that some of the stuff Vera might say our coaches in, in the past you'd ring Dean who has an experience of being around men coaches and had heard direct statements yeah. and different things said but it's just it's a football kind of situation or whatever and you get on with it do you think that's something that maybe even going forward that and I know it's a different time we live in now but like you've an understanding of it because you've played so long and you've been around Dean and men and different things in terms of the football background of what goes on in a dressing room whereas maybe some of the girls haven't had that experience and the coaches being direct they shouldn't feel as though oh it's taking a personal that this is just the uh, kind of the way 
coaches tend to speak at times. Yeah, yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of the times we're in. Like, I think so many young players are coming through now. Like, even with my coaching, like, with kids, like, I very rarely would shout at kids or say anything negative, but if you do say something negative, they're just like, what? Yeah. Take it I doing something yeah. wrong, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, and there is that kind of, and I know I've seen loads of comments on social media saying, like, snowflakes and all this stuff. I think that's wrong because you don't know the situation. Mm. You don't know what's being said. You don't know the kind of history of what's being said. So I don't want to say anything about other people that it's happened to. But from my experiences with Vera, there are times where I thought she could have talked to me in a different tone or said it in a different way. But I understood from her point of view that she had a team to look after. If I'm not going to be part of that, she's not going to spend hours mm. comforting me and making sure I'm okay. I you know, is it's it not... just a generational thing that she's been brought up in that kind of culture as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's she been around for so long. And that's what I get, Eric, is that I've been brought up in that. And I often, like I go to a match now on a Friday night, League of Ireland, and I don't, funny, I pointed this out, I knew like this because I was in Dalem on Friday night and Bowles were obviously losing and they came back. You're obviously losing. <laughs> I mean, the... <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Sorry. <laughs> Bowls were losing in the game and I can't remember who it was gave the ball away and no one says a word. Yeah. No one gets after them, gets on to them, right? Huben, who's a bit old school, ball gets given away by the rifle. He's absolutely going through him for a shortcut. Right. And it's a culture, not a cultural, it's a generation yeah. thing, I think. And as and the younger lads growing up now maybe don't get that or they haven't got that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think it's gone too far, too soft that there has to be a balance somewhere still in the middle that you're able to say, get on to someone and take it in the right way that it's meant and just move on. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So, so, so toughen up everybody. <laughs> yeah. There's some hard truths. Yeah. It's tough love. Yeah. It's tough love. Um, Stephanie, right, come here. Listen, we, we're going to go, we'll go back to the World Cup now in a little bit, but I just want to touch upon your, your career and it would be rude uh, not having Stephanie Zambra on a show and not asking her about that moment, the moment that changed your life, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> the, the moment that shot you through the stratosphere of everyone's consciousness in this country and indeed around the globe. The goal that had you nominated for the uh, the, uh, the Pushkas Award. Um, can you give us a little sense of, like, even the, when, when you scored the goal that day, was did you know the game was being filmed for a start? I did and right. it was the reason I did is because it was quite unusual for our games to be filmed so okay. when I seen them setting up the camera I was like oh yes good to see they're doing that you know that yeah. way so I had it I knew about it now when I scored the goal I didn't even think oh, they got that on video so before the match you were thinking I'm going to score a belter now yeah, 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 <laughs> no no not at all like honestly it was more so when we went in after the game actually one of the girls who were coming for to play with us uh, John Flood who had the under-record and he was the Western manager at the time and caught me over and was like come here showed me the goal and like, I honestly had been looking kind of going I'm not going to be able to show. Like, tell me brothers like I have two older brothers yeah. like, if I went and told them I scored a cracker they'd be like oh yeah hit off the shin you know the <laughs> yeah, usual yeah, bit yeah. of slagging like, so all I was thinking was yes I can show them I have it there and as I said one of the girls Ruth was like that's going to go viral like, that's going to go off and I was just like ah didn't think anything of it like, and it was not until obviously there was a little bit of hype around the after it in terms of RT coming to interview us in P-Mount and yeah. it gave us a chance to promote the league a little bit and then I always remember I came I was in France at the time and I came back to watch um, DLR Waves playing Wexford up in um, Jackson Park and Wayside in Kiltiernan and one of the parents of Nikki, Nikki Sinnott's parents actually said it to me I was like oh, I heard that's nominated for a FIFA award and like genuinely hadn't heard anything about it and I was just like what? And me and my dad. So you only heard it through the grapevine. I kind of heard it yeah. through. That was the first I heard of it as such. But me and my dad just kind of looked at each other and were like, that was a bit odd that he said that. Is he taking the piss type of thing? You know, <laughs> that way. Like, and didn't think any more of it. And then it was only a few weeks later where I was back, or a few months probably later, I went back to France and I was in my apartment and I got notified on Twitter. So that's the only how I found out. Wow. I got a, a tweet that had the 10 players and I was included in it and I had the FIFA and the little 
was it the blue what is it it's a blue tick blue on tick, it yeah. and I was like were the club not notified rigged. first no well they may have but I obviously got the notification to Twitter I'm not sure if they did get anything or not I'm sure they did in some sense or in some way but I hadn't heard anything about it and it was through Twitter and I remember my phone absolutely hopping just like different notifications coming in and like I wasn't ever really on Twitter at that stage Twitter mm. was quite new so I didn't even know how to use it properly I was looking kind of going <laughs> what's going on like and it just absolutely went like flying and oh obviously some support, it was incredible like, wasn't it like the goal itself was amazing but just the reaction to it and the fact and I, I remember feeling a real sense of pride going yeah that's one of our from a technical point of view it was absolutely out of this world like it was just I remember incredible. it being discussed on like the likes of Sky Sky and BBC Ian Wright and all saying what a goal and all that and going that, yeah, <laughs> that's a lucky goal isn't it because you just got was a player? It was the goal of the month there in with Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, and it was yeah. The same goal, the same end. Yeah, same. It wasn't exactly quite as good. No, no I don't think. I, I just night, I caught I it. I goal. caught it well. To be fair, but yeah, no, it was it was in the same goal. The yeah, same it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then obviously that um uh, you you went to the ceremony. Um, and that amazing picture of Messi Ronaldo <laughs> sitting there as you're walking by in your in your dress, and it's such a what an iconic picture. Like, like it's yeah. that has to be framed. It. I oh, actually don't have it done yet. What? Everyone keeps saying we don't have our own house yet, so Dean we're still working on that. Maybe we have our own house. Dean Dean the first <laughs> but it's funny because Dean always slags me, and like a lot of the people who I play with and stuff would know. Whenever we're going to anything, I'm always late. I'm always a like, terrible timekeeping. And if I hadn't have been late, we wouldn't have got that photo. So I always say it to whenever I'm late now, I was like, we'd never have that photo now if I didn't go to the bathroom at the last minute and take my time coming out because I was rushing to get back onto the set right, or onto right, the floor right. then to get to our seat. Um, and that's how that photo came about. And you can see Dane's behind me. I'd ran off kind of to get to my seat because I didn't want to look late and he's behind me. And just that moment happened. And it was brilliant because it kind of came when I got that photo sent to me. It was at the, after the awards and kind of the downer of not winning, do you know, that way. And it was just like that came through from family and friends who were back in Brady's and Shankill. Again, you talk about Italian 90. It was a Monday night. They were all in the pub, packed out, watching it, having the time of their lives. And we were getting that photo sent to us from people there saying, Amazing. this is incredible. Who like, won do you who won do you were at that time? Hamas Rodriguez. Hamas Rodriguez. Remember that goal? the volley against, oh, yeah. yeah. In the World Cup? Yeah, yeah. Van Persie came toward the header against Spain. Too, I, I think definitely. that was better, to be fair. So it's like, what's <laughs> going on here? Well, you were obviously thinking you've a, you a great well, chance. Do you know what? When we went to the awards, like we were on our way in, and they kind of got every time everyone was going in, there was like a guy there with a camera, and you had to sign the camera and stuff like that. And someone said, "Oh, the votes coming through from Ireland at the minute are unbelievable." And we were kind of like, "Is he giving me a heads up here, type of thing?" Like, do you know, yeah. like I actually thought you were your there was a chance near the end. It was. It was weird because like, I, I think. Like when origin- initially I got nominated for the top 10, it was like, let's see if we can get to the top three and get to the awards. That'd be incredible to get mm. to the awards. Like, and that was kind of the goal, do you know, that way. Because yeah. I didn't think, like, especially because Hamas Rodriguez missed out on the player of the tournament and all, didn't he? I thought he might have a better chance of winning in terms of got a World Cup goal, every angle possible, like looking at the goal and stuff. So I kind of thought he could win it. Um, but yeah, when we got to the awards and someone said that to me, I was just like, me and Dean just looked at each other and I was like, is he telling us that like, we're going to win it here type of thing? And then obviously when it was announced, it was just like, oh. Uh, still though. That <laughs> was like, incredible, yeah. But it's, 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 it's funny you should mention that, Stephanie. That's a very valid point. Like Stephanie mentioned there, like the two goals were scored at the World Cup. Yeah. Multiple angles. Whereas Stephanie's uh, and that's the man sometimes that had it on the camera up in P-Mount. That's sometimes a criticism when we even show the games in RT with the yeah. faci- going back to the facilities argument again. A goal always looks better in a better stadium with a crowd and a stand behind than you see some of the goals in Oriel Park or and, and it's yeah. a car park behind the goals mm-hmm. and you're like, Imagine that goal in front of 40,000 yeah. in big pack stadium. Oh, I know. Paul is looking at me now saying Oriel Park giving out. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Oriel Park. Sorry, Paul. But you know what I mean? So that, yeah. and the fact that it was Pima yeah. in Furry Carrick Park as well. Like imagine Stephanie's goal in Old Trafford in front yeah. of 40,000. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Or in that, in that game against Australia, 82,000. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, 
So, Stephanie, obviously the, the goal brought you to, to national and global prominence and it opened so many doors for you. Um, was it was it difficult to, to like, what happened? Like, were you getting a flurry of phone calls from agents and clubs and, and what, what, what what was happening? Yeah, it was a bit mad. Like, and like, thankfully, like, I've obviously come from a, a very good footballing family. Like, Dean's family are very involved in football. My own brothers and, like, my dad and that would never let me get carried away. You know, it was never kind of a case of, oh, I'm deadly or anything. You know, yeah. I kind of just knew this was all going to come with it. It was all going to be a big mad hype. And I thought it would kind of be like, you know, your 15 minutes where loads would happen and then it would go away. But it tend, like it, it's, it just seemed to go on and on and on. Yeah. And there was loads of opportunities came my way. Um, I always say it, and Dean often says it to me as well. He said, like, for all the luck I had with the Puskas, afterwards I had quite a lot of bad luck, you know. And like, yeah. obviously I, had, I broke my leg in 2018 at a time where I was really starting to come into my own at Sunderland. Um, I was going back for my third season. I had a decent second season with them and I felt like I could really go back and try and really cement my place in the team and look to try and get a new contract and stuff like that. And I broke my leg in the first qualifier against Northern Ireland with Ireland um, and it kind of just set me back completely because it, yeah. it was one of those things that like initially when it happened, they thought I'd done my ACL with how I landed. was lucky not to have done my ACL. was told that it was just a depressed, a depressed fracture to my tibia I think it was which basically pushed down wouldn't take about 12 weeks I'll be back and I was like Jesus deadly I remember pushing at the time thinking I might get back for the Netherlands game we were playing Netherlands over there um, in that kind of period of time so I was hoping to get back for that and then I remember coming back to Sunderland at Christmas and doing a programme I remember just feeling pain in my knee and I was like it's not right I knew it wasn't right Like, and I had to go back home then and get an arthroscopy on my knee and it turned out that there was actually um, a stress fracture to my femur that they completely missed. Wow. So it meant then, I ended up being out for nearly 18 months in the end. Like wow. it was a long, long time out. Like it was just one of those things that they kind of just didn't see. I don't know how they didn't see it. Look, I don't want to get into all that because I don't want to get in trouble or anything. But <laughs> it was one of those things where I thought I'd be back in 12 weeks and I was very confident in getting back into the Ireland team. Colin Bell was there at the time who really fancied me, liked me as a player and used me really well. So I was looking forward to getting back and then it ended up being a, a longer period of time. And um, when I came back then, a lot happened at Sunderland when I was out in terms of the men's team. Men's team got double relegation down to the championship then he went to League One so the women's team was obviously affected with that in terms of their budget so they ended up being in the top WSL1 they ended up going down to the Northern Premier League because the funding wasn't there I was offered a contract to go back to Sunderland but it was a low league and it was not going to be worth my while going back there coming back from injury trying to get myself back into the Irish team so I had to kind of try and decide So was that also the back of your thoughts Stephanie um I want to go to a club which will help my chance of getting back 100%. into the squad. Like, yeah. That was yeah. the whole reason about going away. Even like I think I always knew like I, I love the League of Ireland. I love playing and I love the team. I love P-Mount were very good to me. But I always knew I needed to play at a higher level because you've seen it when you went into the Irish camp. You know, some of the girls are coming back from playing with Arsenal or wherever they are playing with and you can see the level was totally different. You can different. see a noticeably, noticeably ah, difference. Definitely. Yeah. Like, even just fitness and like just strength and conditioning wise, yeah. they were athletes, you know, whereas I was, I was a good footballer and yeah. I didn't have that extra bit and I knew I needed to go away to get that and yeah, as I mentioned, after the injury, I came back and I didn't really have many options because I'd been out for, as I said, 18 months. So I had a chance to go to WSL too um, and I didn't want to go there. I just didn't think it was the right place and I had a chance to go to Italy. I went over on trial, seen the facilities, thought they were trying to do the right thing, spoke to the manager and thought this is probably the best thing for me. Went over there, kind of just coming back from my injury, got myself fit and, and thought I was doing well and it just didn't go well in the end, you know, like the things that I've been promised. So I remember I got over there in the September. It was um, Fiorentina, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Florentia it was called. They're actually not even a club anymore, so that'll oh, show yeah. you how bad it was. Yeah. Wow, okay. So basically I was promised everything, sun, moon, everything, you know, kind of the usual. That's what happens when you yeah. Stephanie go to club falls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Decisions like that, Stephanie, 
um, was there anyone advising you or was it just yourself and Dean and yeah, family? Yeah, I had a few people advising me, like I have friends and family who work in football and I had people look over the contract and stuff like that. I, like I'd done all the right things. So when I went to France, the first club I played for, there was a lot of stuff that didn't happen and I knew, <coughs> I learned from the mistakes that I made there. Like, so I did, done everything in the right way. It was just the club, they were kind of chancers. Like I went over there in September. I didn't get paid. First, My first paycheck wasn't until the end of December start of January so they didn't pay me for the wow. first three months I was there so wow. I was like working through myself and Dean's savings as you can imagine like trying to save or something yeah. as we can to try and make, build a life when I do come home and like just a lot of false promises made like and a lot of players at the club left um, or not, I suppose they brought in a new manager a whole new setup for the second season I was convinced and I played really well towards the end of the season so I knew I said look I have to get a chance now and pre-season started really well done extremely well kind of scoring goals banging them in got back into the Ireland squad I remember got picked for the Montenegro game came back and just it all went downhill again pretty much with the side and just yeah it went to shit and then obviously Covid happened so I ended up coming back from Italy it just a lot of stuff went wrong in Italy off the pitch but obviously kind of the stuff that was happening on the pitch wasn't good either so it was just it ended up being a bad move for me in the end and it's funny actually because I remember speaking to Vera because Vera played in Italy years and years ago and I told her my situation, explained a lot of stuff that happened and her response was, it seems like it hasn't changed since I played wow. there in the 80s. Like, and it was a lot of, she was able to kind of relate to that in a little bit, you know, but yeah, it just, it turned out, as I said, I had a lot of luck with Puskas, but ever since, it kind of a lot of bad luck happened in between and you just kind of have to bounce back, really. And another, I suppose, um, sorry to bring up all the bad luck stories, <laughs> but another, another um, uh, I suppose, sad chapter um, would be your time in America. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Bash? America was weird. Like, I know Denise went there afterwards and I know I haven't really spoke to Denise properly about it, but Houston Dash was a weird setup. And again, another bit of connection to Vera with everything that's gone on. But I remember being like, that was my first time playing in kind of like the American League is all about kind of like athleticism and fitness and strength and I obviously had come in as a technically gifted player and I was the player who wanted to get on the ball and play and when I got there it was all about kind of getting the, the fitness program they were on was unbelievable like I remember coming to the training going I'm going to die here like, do you know that way I was such a shock to my system was this like, like the pre-season or just yeah, the yeah, in their pre-season yeah. Yeah, yeah and I remember I kind of I put my quad I still have a hole in my quad for me and I just like I got on with it and played and um, I remember the manager at the time he loved me and he was all chatting to me it's funny he knew do you know Larmani? Yeah. He, he knew Larmani. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if he went to college with him or there was a connection. He knew him. So he would, would have been quite familiar with who I was and stuff like that. And he, he gave me every chance in the world. He loved me. We had good chats. And it's funny because the week before I was released, I had a really good conversation with me. He said, like, you're technically brilliant. You're, you're probably one of our best finishers. We really want to use you. And we had a lot of injuries in the team. Like, I think three of our defenders done their ACL. And in the US League at the time, I think you're only allowed to have three international players. And the rest had to be from either, I think, USA and Mexico, Canada. I think that was the the kind of how it worked. And I remember being brought in and Brian Ching was the, the GM at the time. Uh, had an envelope and I was just like, what is going on here? Like, it was so weird because I'd only had the conversation with yeah. the manager the week before. And he was like, look, we've bad news. Um, we're going to have to let you go. And I was just like, What? And like, like the manager just couldn't even look at me. He was just kind of like head down, didn't know what to say. And I was like, we just had a conversation last week that things were going well. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. And we really were happy with you, but we had to go elsewhere to try and get defenders in. Um, which, and in fairness, they did. They had a couple of American girls in on trial and it just didn't work out. And they ended up bringing in, I think, two international players when I left for, for defensive roles. And it was just kind of one of those things where I, I genuinely felt like I'd done really well. And it was one of those things where I knew... I'd done everything I could do and yeah. it was just completely out of my control and I just remember being like heartbroken about it because I had to like Dean was over there with me you came out of the, the stadium and I had the envelope in my hand and he thought he was bringing me to training and then I was just like 
to go home. home like and he was just like what what's going on and like again had the conversation with him saying it's going well and training I'm enjoying it I feel like I'm doing well and I'd been told then I was I was cut from the team and it was just like shit where do I go from here like cause and, and what, what happened then what, like, where it, did you go like how do you pick yourself up from something like that yeah like it was hard it really was because like obviously with the postcast and stuff I had so many opportunities yeah. to do things away from football and I always wanted to stay in football because I knew like that was what got me where I got you know that was what get me the opportunities that I was getting so I always wanted to stay and play as long as I can and I've always talked to like my dad and my father-in-law who, who always would have loved football and say they say to you like football's a very short career you know you can do the rest when you're finished so I never wanted to not play but I remember after that being like what am I doing like if it's going to be like this everywhere I go if it's going to be sh- like shit like this happening and I think women's football definitely was in its infancy in terms yeah. of being professional you know I think I learned a lot of lessons through the way but it's changing now thankfully but I remember we were staying with an Irish woman like we were living with her and we got back and like explained the situation to her and like she went from being like the nicest woman on the planet to being like right when he's gone and like we were trying to get ourselves yeah yeah and like we luckily we met we met like an Irish guy over there and Brendan is his name and he he was he runs a a league over there so he kind of had a few connections in football over there so I went to Boston and I went and trained with them and I remember going training and the manager was an absolute lunatic. Like we talked about Vera, like I want to see some of the stuff. He he actually caught one of the girls something and I was just like shocked. What is going on yeah. here? Like and he 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 later got sacked from the team, but I just went there and said it's not worth it here. And I went home and I said, look, we're gonna have to go back and think about what I'm gonna do. And thankfully, the opportunity came to go to Sunderland. I went over there on trial, and and that was probably if I look back now, it's probably the best time in my career in terms of how I was treated professionally, the training, the setup, and everything else. But yeah. I had to go through quite a bit before I got the good stuff, but like um, it's a wonder you're still here smiling. <laughs> fair play to you, I swear to God. Um, uh, just you, you just touched on it there. Something you said there just triggered something in my head. You, you, you know what? Football uh, was in its infancy at the time. You were there from the very start, and the whole change in the tracksuits and the airport fiasco, and yeah. to where it is now. Your impressions of what's what's changed and how it's evolved over the last few years. Well, I think like when you look back, even in 2017, the whole strike action and stuff like that. I remember like that tracksuit thing wasn't even a big a big deal to us like we were like we don't care about that that's not an issue we don't mind getting changed in the, yeah. in the, in the toilets or whatever it was the other little things like and I think if you're talking to anybody in football now it's about the 1% and it's little things that can make a big Fine difference yeah, yeah it really is yeah. like and I think huge things that were, weren't being done like in terms of like girls not having fitness programs or having someone looking after them when they're not with their club, particularly girls in the National League because the clubs didn't have the facilities at the time to be able to help them out with that. So I think you only have to look at how well the girls have done since. And it's just simple little change. Like the girls are going over on charter jets and that's not something that I ever thought we'd ever talk about and it's not something <laughs> that we ever wanted, but it makes a difference. You know, oh, if you're yeah. travelling in style and in comfort, like I remember travelling with Ireland to the likes of Slovenia and you fly into one place and then you get an eight hour bus journey to, you know, like you're going and yeah. it's just, it sets you up to fail nearly, do you know that way? But it's all these little things that have changed now. And again, I think the squad of players that are there now are all in better positions in terms of their clubs and where they're playing. Like if you look at Katie, like Katie's probably up there as one of the best players in the world, in my opinion, at the mm. moment. And he's not too far behind her either. So like, I think a lot of the players are in better places physically and, and in shape and stuff like it's that It's a respect well, so. thing as well, Eric. Like I looked over there, something that stuck out for me over the weekend was, and I was I loved the hurling and I was glued to the hurling all weekend, but the camogie was on before it, right? Yeah, I watched it. And the, the for the man of the match, basically, player of the match now, what they call it, but for the man of the match in the men's game, he got a big gold trophy, the young Cody lad, right? And for the player of the match in the women's game before it, a radio was, was presented to her. 
And you're kind of thinking like a radio, a, ra- a radio. Honestly, a radio. To be fair, local <laughs> radios exist honestly, anymore. Honestly, and you're kind of saying like well, it's 2023, lads. Yeah. You know, like it's a respect thing. And obviously, they were going through their protests at the moment, the Camogie mm. uh, girls, and they were wearing the t-shirts and all. And obviously, some of the stuff that Stephanie has gone through a few years ago. And look at the progress that's been made. But like you're kind of saying, the administrators of Camogie and all, surely they're looking at this, thinking the optics of it was horrendous. Like, yeah, yeah. someone has to think that, that you know, like, that's ha- not going to look good first and foremost. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I don't want to sound like I'm patronising them. I think getting there has been brilliant, oh, and yeah. like they deserve a huge amount of credit for getting there. So go and enjoy it. Go and express yourselves, and like so Embrace many players it. want to be there. Like so, go and just enjoy it and do what you can. And I think we have the quality of players. Particularly in the likes of Katie and Denise, I think they can make something happen. I think Louise Quinn is a great asset oh, for us amazing. from set pieces. So I think if we get a few opportunities from set pieces and, and can defend well, I think we have every chance of getting out of the group. You're getting me excited. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ireland. Come on, out of Tally, thank you. We're all part of here today. Al, your prediction for Ireland? Yeah, I like that. I'd love to see them get out of the group. I'd say that's probably the main objective. Uh, give a good account of themselves. You'd hate to think it would be like a Euro 2012 moment where obviously the men's team had Italy, Spain and Croatia. It was, it was over after the first yeah. game, really. It was over after the draw. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I don't think that'll be the case. I think they'll be... I would hope they would hold their own in the group and obviously the main objective is to cause a surprise in trying to get out. I wouldn't be writing off Nigeria either. We saw what Zambia yeah. brought. Like yeah. Zambia were decent as well. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm sure... Just, just on that Zambia, like, I mean, Banda. I, I, Ireland beat them 3-2. 3-2 to beat them in Tala there recently. And, then, and everyone's going... Beat Germany. Yeah, they yeah. beat Germany. Yeah, but check out, you're on, there's one for you now, people that might be listening in terms of us going predictions for, go for Banda for, for gold or what is it, golden... Yeah, yeah, the golden, golden boot, boot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's a serious player. It's Bunny Shaw with Jamaica as well as with, um, with Man City. With Man City. She yeah. has a chance. Like, I know you don't know how far they're going to go, but she yeah. could score a few on yeah. the, in the group I stage as well. a few, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. I mean, there's the unknown too. Like, you don't yeah. really know what to expect from like like against Zambia. They kind of caught us off. Like, I think everyone was like, Jesus, what's going on here? Yeah, These are half I decent. Like, but yeah. I would, I'd, love, I'd love to see, hopefully, as I say, to give a good account to themselves, Eric, if they were to get out of the group, it would be massive. But I just think in terms of what it's going to bring to the country and for again going back to I suppose where we started the conversation with all the girls that have soldiered for so long you would like to think this is going to be the start of something that could become the norm and for all the little young girls that are tuning in like I know our local club are doing a watch yeah, a lot of clubs are doing that, that so I think it will be the Italian 90 moment and what the men didn't do in Italian 90 was capitalise it in terms of the administrators around the game and we went through such neglect for years I'd love to think the administrators looking after the women's game and I think the will will capitalise on all the exposure that they're getting to brilliant sponsors as well um, and I think as I say capitalise on that and let this become the norm rather than the exception and Stephanie you're in a very fortunate position you're travelling to Australia for the World Cup oh, I'm yeah, incredibly indeed. jealous of you um, but you must it must be like I'm just thinking I'm thinking of Stephanie Zamber Stephanie Roach uh, as the Irish You're team walks everyone, it's funny because I never thought this would be a big, as big an issue everyone's like is it Stephanie Roach or Stephanie Zamper and I'm like well I don't really care like you can call me whatever you want everyone knows me as Stephanie Roach it's, it's a new thing was, they, was they not nailing down that <laughs> a little soon bit, as that little ring bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she just wants another move back to Italy I suppose I'm, I'm just trying to could you put it into, into, into words how you think you're going to feel as you watch that Irish team walk out with the Australian team for that opening game? I think like, it'll be very similar as you mentioned in Hamden Park. Like, honestly, like, I wasn't close to tears towards the end of the match and I remember like doing the commentary and obviously George is such a way with words and there was times where I was like, geez, I need to say something here, I'm commentating. But I was so like, I oh, honestly cool. was having to compose myself because like, I just felt so happy. And I remember meeting Emma Byrne as well after the game, we were chatting and like the two of us were nearly crying, hugging each other, kind of being like, this is unbelievable. We actually have done it, you know, that way. And it was just... Honestly, a very proud moment. And like, obviously, I would have liked to have been part of it, but I'm still very proud. I've still got a lot of girls in that team who I've played with over the years and absolutely delighted to see them get their moment to do it. So I think it's it's going to be a very similar moment to that, just a, 
a moment of complete pride and, and hopefully, as I said, a lot of hope behind the team and that they can get out of the group and, and do themselves proud and do themselves justice. Absolutely amazing. And, and, and when, we, when we're when we watching that match, Al, and we hear Stephanie's gone quiet, we know she's on the <laughs> <at> the moment. <laughs> I'm having a moment to wipe my tears away. <laughs> okay, folks, listen, I could talk to you all day. Stephanie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. This has been episode 15 or 16. We're not sure. We'll find out when it goes up on Spotify. Of House of Football, William Hill and Sports. Joe, delighted. Thank you so much for coming in, Al Colley and, and Stephanie Roach Stammer. Stephanie Roach to me <laughs> forever. Thanks so much for coming in so and, much, uh, and being a, a brilliant uh, guest. Uh, so, yeah, tune in next week. We'll be back. You know the story. Subscribe, share, tell your friends, and all the other stuff. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe and William Hill.